I call this presentation The Mystic Plague Captivating the Western World. A sample of it, September 2005, the cover of Newsweek magazine shows Spirituality in America. Inside, Newsweek says, Americans are looking for personal, ecstatic experiences of God. The article begins on a Catholic note. It says, Father Thomas Keating, the abbot of St. Joseph Abbey, couldn't help noticing the attraction that the exotic religious practices of the East held for many young Roman Catholics. To him as a Trappist monk, meditation was a second nature. He invited the great Zen master Rashi Azashi to lead retreats at the Abbey after which the magazine goes on for 20 more pages to laud and outline how mysticism has permeated into American culture. And of course, mostly exalting the Roman Catholic influence in this mysticism. It's called by different names, but it has been advanced by many Christian leaders, pastors, and colleges and schools. Usually called contemplative prayer, sometimes mantra, meditation, or altered state of consciousness. At heart, it is the assumption that we can have direct union with God. Now, many of us are fully aware of what is called the church growth movement and how many evangelicals are into the church growth movement and you will talk about Rick Warren and all the other people like him. But very few seem to be aware of an equally potent movement called the emerging church movement. And this Emerging church movement is upholding such things as the Desert Fathers and a lot of um, Catholicism as it has been rehashed by evangelicals. So it is something that is very evident but people seem to be unawares. And we have much talk about labyrinths yoga, chanting, meditating in this whole emerging church uh, emerging church movement across the USA. For example, on the July 2005 issue of Rick Warren's webpage in his toolbox newsletter, a link takes children to empowering kids. It is the Purpose Driven Children's Ministry webpage meant for children. The Empowering Kids website recommends the pro-contemplative 
group publishing as a source for kids. And some of the activities that are promoted and marketed encourage the use of icons, candles and silent labyrinths and other rituals. Now, Warren is one example of somebody who is into both movements, the church growth movement and deeply into the mysticism movement. In the purpose-driven life, there is mention of breath, prayers, and many of the Catholic mystics, besides all the other paraphernalia that are put forth. The same Rick Warren speaking at the United Nations Interfaith Breakfast in this fall of 2005, told people that God did not care what religion you were. You just needed Jesus. Now, if it was Warren alone saying this, it would be frightening, but this has become a theme song for many ministries. YWAM, for example, will uh, say that in many of their publications. People just need Jesus. It does not matter what religion you are. Harper, the famous publishing house, has just published 2005 a new Bible. It's the Renovare Spiritual Formation Study Bible. The editors include contemplative supporter Walter Bruegman and Eugene Peterson and other contemplatives. The main author is the famous Richard Foster, the Evangelical. It is heartbreaking and fully documented that Richard Foster has influenced other leading evangelicals who have been considered as some of the best Bible-believing evangelicals we've had for many years in America. I know I've listened to some of them myself on the radio many times and they are influenced by Richard Foster and some of the Catholics besides the New Evangelical. Such, for example, are Chuck Swindoll and David Jeremiah, as I will document later. Before getting into the Evangelical way of marketing um, mysticism and before documenting the Pentecostal way of marketing mysticism we have to see where the foundation came from in our own time the main platform was the Roman Catholic Church and her emphasis on the value of paganism at the Vatican Council II held in Rome. She was explicit in her approval of the mysticism of Hinduism and of uh, Buddhism and of the 
um, the pagan enlightenment that goes with these religions. And it is from this that we have the infiltration or the, the platform set. I want to read from the famous document Nostri Aetate, at the very beginning of the document, paragraph 2, in Hinduism, the official web page and document itself says, Vatican uh, web page, in Hinduism men explore the divine mystery and, and express it in both the limitless riches of myth and accurately defined insights of philosophy. They seek release from the trials of the present life by ascetical practices, profound meditation and recourse to God with confidence and love. Buddhism in its various forms testifies to the essential inadequacies of this changing world. It proposes a way of life by which man can, with confidence, trust, and trust attain a state of perfect liberation and reach supreme illumination either through their own efforts or by the aid of divine help. The Catholic Church rejects nothing of what is true and holy in these religions. And so accepted into Catholicism was the mysticism of Hinduism and Buddhism and it became a platform for famous Catholic authors before we get the evangelical ones most famous possibly is the one that I have mentioned already that Newsweek highlighted uh, Thomas Keating you will find he has a web page besides uh, the many things that he has written claims to have instructed over 31,000 youths into the technique of meditation here in America. But other Catholic priests such as William Johnson are equally famous and I'd like to quote what this priest says. Self-realization lies at the very heart of Buddhism. In self-realizations I become one with God just as the object is one with the mirror and just as Jesus is one with his father you become one with God now this is what was said for many years by the famous Thomas Merton that these present day Catholic mystics keep repeating but these are present-day Roman Catholic priests in America. William Shannon, Catholic priest, endorses idolatrous self-identification with God. And he cites Merton, as many of them do. Quotation, A person of true faith travels, not without difficulty, towards the heart of mystery, as a person, as Merton puts it, works his way through the darkness of his own mystery until he discovers that his own mystery and the mystery of God 
merge into one reality which is the only reality. Your mystery and God's mystery merge into one reality. William Shannon, Seeds of Peace and Contemplation on Nonviolence, page 73. This is the sort of thing that the Catholic Church has been giving to Catholics and the great prophet in the evangelical circles for many years has been the evangelical Richard Foster. He states, quotation, contemplative prayer immerses us into the silence of God. How desperately we in the modern world need this wordless baptism Progress in intimacy means progress towards silence. That's from Prayer, Finding the Heart's True Home, page 155. Then Foster rhetorically asks the question, what is the goal of contemplative prayer? And he answers, to this question the old writers answer with one voice, union with God, Bonaventure, A follower of St. Francis says that our final goal is union with God, which is a pure relationship where we see nothing. This is the type of teaching that is purportedly being uh, sold as evangelical. And it is an evangelical taking over what the Catholics have tried to say for some time. It comes as a surprise when we have other famous evangelicals who will quote Richard Foster and quote the Catholic mystics and so lead men and women and children into this same quagmire And I speak of Chuck Swindoll, who is known to practically everybody who is a Christian in America. He has influenced millions of people in the United States and worldwide. He has a new book. The book's title is, So You Want to Be Like Christ, Eight Essentials to Get You There. And then subtitle, a book of solitude, silence, of contemplative prayer. And then he gives eight disciplines. Anybody who's familiar with mysticism, I was quite familiar as a priest, and I had read the Evangelical Richard Foster's book, Celebration of Discipline. In fact, Chuck Swindoll takes the disciplines of Richard Foster and rewords them in his own book. But besides that, he also has Thomas Merton, the famous Roman Catholic monk, and Henri Nouel, the famous Roman Catholic from French-speaking Canada, Dallas Willard, Eugene Peterson of the Message, that is the paraphrase of the Bible, the purportedly 
claims to be the word of God and is anything but and the popular writer Philip Yancey we have many quotations by this quite famous evangelical and we know from Dallas, Texas he has influenced many of what were purportedly supposed to be conservative Bible-believing churches across America. And this is the sort of thing that is going unnoticed before our very eyes and we should see it if we are truly to be people who know what our Christian faith is and what is happening in America. We have likewise the famous evangelical David Jeremiah. I stopped listening to his radio programs recently because he was quoting perpetually from the message and I thoroughly dislike that as a debasement of the word of God, the famous message as it is published by Nav Press. But it's much worse than just using the message. David Jeremiah's book, Life Wide Open, authenticates and approves of Sue Monk Kidd, the Buddhist Peter Stenge, the mystic Jim Collins, mystic Calvin Miller, Edwin McManus, the Catholic mystic St. John of the Cross, the famous Brother Lawrence, David Siemens, and Eugene Peterson, writer of the message, and he throws in Rick Warren. This book, Life Wide Open, appeals to Christians that they should read it. David Jeremiah has been honored as a true Christian in this nation and in many nations of the world. David Jeremiah and the second book, Life Wide Open, in the introduction to the book says the following. A small handful among us have discovered what the rest of us would pay dearly to know. How we can bring real living excitement into this life. And Jeremiah goes on to tell the readers, quotation, This book is a map to the life of passion and purpose, the life wide open, which is the title of the book. And he goes on to quote from Sue Monk Kidd, who was a quite famous lady of the Southern Baptist, who from reading Thomas Merton, got lost in mysticism and now purports mysticism and such things as into the depths of God and the Buddhist Peter Stang, Brother Lawrence and the mystic Jim Collins. This is the sort of thing that is now touching America and those of us who are to contend for the faith must be aware of because it's like a plague or a virus. It comes in unnoticed and it can affect the youth and people of America if we don't 
become aware and conscious of what is happening. Another evangelical called Joss Reich writes a book that has been recently published. It's part of the emerging church movement. The name of the book is The Church Should Be Like a Dance Club. And he talks with great adulation about Thomas Merton, Henri Mouillon, and St. Teresa of Avila, the famous Catholic mystical saint. And many other things. The Dark Night of the Soul, which I read as a Roman Catholic monk. I'm surprised to see evangelicals quote from things that I had renounced when I gave up Catholicism. It is really heartbreaking, but this is the world we live in. Another quite famous man has another book, and it's Tony Campolo. His book is Speaking My Mind. In the book he says, mysticism, contemplative prayer, is the common ground between Christianity and Islam. And he goes on to speak about Christian mysticism and the benefits of Christian mysticism. Now these are just a few books. We could go on and on mentioning them. And um, I just want to give a sample. Where does it all lead? Maybe to the book published by another so-called evangelical, Alan Jones Reimaging Christianity this book that has been published I'd like to quote from Alan Jones' book on page 132 quotation the church's fixation on the death of Jesus as the universal saving act must end and the place of the cross must be re-imaged in the Christian faith. Why? Because the cult of suffering and the vindictive God lie behind it. And then on page 168, Alan Jones says the following. The other thread of just criticism addresses the suggestion implicit in the cross of Jesus' sacrifice was to appease an angry God. Penal substitution, the cross, was the name of this vile doctrine. I can hardly read the words. He calls the cross this vile doctrine. It is really hard to read the words. On page 133 he says that the cross is a myth made by man. Where have we come? Where have we come in the evangelical world? Are we aware of what is happening in the United States of America? Are we aware of the mystic plague that is penetrating into the minds of Americans and our young people? Now this book, you would say, would never 
reach any Christian bookstore and would never be approved of by any Christian. Not so. The back cover of the book gives approvals by such as Brian McLaren of A New Kind of Christianity. He lauds it. And Walter Brueggemann, the same man who endorses the Renovari Study Bible of Mysticism, he purportedly is evangelical and he endorses the book also that talks about the cross of Christ as a vile doctrine. It is really difficult to even say these things. Catholic mysticism has hit the evangelical world in the emerging church and it is very evident, very evident in very many ways. On the internet, you can go to the pantheistic webpage, thecentering.org, and many more webpages. And you can see how this thing is lived out. It comes into New Age medicine, it comes into entertainment videos, on your blockbuster video store whereby these things come out in daily life where these leaders and their goods get marketed in ways that touch the youth of America. Now it is not just this. The Pentecostal church markets the same idea with a fanatical dramatization and it is possibly an equal or worse blight to the United States of America and the world of how Pentecostalism markets mysticism. The word of faith movement has dramatized mysticism. I quote from a sermon tape from Kenneth Copeland. He said, you don't have a God in you, you are one, end of quotation. And in a 1987 crusade, Copeland is documented as saying, quote, I say this and I repeat it so that it doesn't upset you too bad. When I read in the Bible where he, Jesus, says, I am, I say yes, I am too. End of quotation from the famous Pentecostal. Kenneth Hagen of the Word of Faith movement states, quotation, You are as much an incarnation of God as Jesus Christ was. Every man who has been born again is an incarnation. And Christianity is a miracle. The believer is as much an incarnation as was Jesus of Nazareth. Casey Treat, well known across America and many parts of the world, is famous for one quote. And that is, when God looks into the mirror, he sees me. When I look into the mirror, I see God. 
Casey Treatles was a web page which you can go to. He says on his web page, and I've gone there and I've written it out from his web page, God dwells in you. God walks in you. When you walk, God walks. When you show up, God shows up. When you show up, a winner shows up. You won't lose. End of quotation. Paul Crouch, Benny Hinn, Charles Cap, Paul Tilton, Paul Youngy Cho, Marlon Hickey, Morris Cirillo, T.L. Osborne, Jerry Seville are just a few of the well-known names in Pentecostalism that market and stage produce mysticism. The Trinity Broadcasting Network is one of the largest radio and television network networks in the whole world. Paul and Jean Crouch, the founders of this network, present mysticism in all the whirling garments of entertainment and emotionalism across the United States and of course by internet you get their messages as well the Catholic mystics are famous and there's many famous names but they have many sources which others don't have they have their own mystics which are famous they have the Zen mystics and they have the Pentecostal mystics they are deep into all type of mysticism but now it's not just the Catholics it's the Copelands, the Crouchers, Benny Hinn, Hagen and many more Pentecostals are saying what was said by the Catholic Church it has seeped into not just the writings of Chuck Swindoll and David Jeremiah but on a highly popular level radio, television, books, tapes, cassettes, DVDs with these Pentecostals and many more in the year 2000 there were very many famous decrees of the Pope and besides that there are many more which you can find on the Vatican webpage one of the really famous apostolic letters of the last Pope John Paul II was his endorsement of mysticism the great mystical tradition of both East and West to quote from his official apostolic letter called Nuevo Millenio Influente in this he upholds the Catholic mystics and then says the following is it not one of the signs of the times that in today's world despite widespread secularization there is a widespread demand for spirituality a demand which expresses itself in large part in a renewed need for prayer other religions which are now widely present in ancient Christian lands offer their own responses to this need 
and sometimes they do so in appealing ways. The great mystical tradition of the Church of both East and West has much to say in this regard. It shows how prayer can progress in a genuine dialogue of love to a point of rendering a person wholly possessed by the Beloved. The Pope officially declaring that you can have union with God directly. That is exactly what all the mystics say. But now when you have evangelicals saying the same thing, it is leaving out the essential part of the biblical truth that there is one mediator between God and man, the man Christ Jesus We come to God only in the person of our Savior and we do not go to God directly. And the fourth biblical principle of the Reformation that changed the world at the time of the Reformation is needed urgently in our own day that salvation is in Christ Jesus. Justification is in Christ Jesus alone. It is not in the human heart or in deep mystery or in inner silence or contemplative prayer within the human heart. Justification, our place is in Christ. We find life in the historical reality of Christ, his perfect life and his perfect finished work, and he is now gloriously in heaven. This is objective, rational Christianity as it is in the pages of Scripture. But now we have in our day many who are running the wide path of mysticism and it has been upheld in many different parts of this nation. I say these things because it is becoming more and more evident. It's called to my attention the the different things that would be done by Matthew Fox in San Diego recently and I had known Matthew Fox as a priest, not personally but by his writings and his deep mysticism but to see Matthew Fox the Roman Catholic priest accepted in evangelical circles is frightening to me equally frightening is the former priest that I personally met he left the priesthood to get married and now he is influencing the evangelical church He is accepted at many Bible-believing churches by such as the Conservative Baptists and he was lauded and his book The Rag Muffin Gospel by Benin Manning was published by Multnomah Bible College just as I went there to that college in 1991. These are things that have been published by so-called evangelical presses like Multnomah Bible College. The Rag Muffin Gospel is just what the title says. 
and the mysticism purported and marketed by Brennan Manning is frightening. It is more frightening to see the evangelicals who will warmly have him at conferences. Quite recently we've had a new book published called The Mystic Heart, Discovering a Universal Spirituality in the World's Religion by Wayne Teasdale. Another so-called evangelical coming in the open to support mysticism. These things are becoming commonplace. It is really sad that the average evangelical seems to be totally unaware of what is so evident around us and we would to God that there was some understanding of what is happening. We have an entry level for American youth and the youth of the world. The entry level usually begins with the Harry Potter books where you begin dabbling or you go to Walmart Walmart, and you see that there's a DVD of Lord of the Rings by Tolkien. And so many evangelicals love C.S. Lewis and they love Tolkien. And they buy the DVDs and give it to the youth and pass it around for gifts. This is sort of the entry level. Then you get more taste. You could then graduate to the seven-story mountain, the first book written by Thomas Merton. Then you progress even further to where Merton will tell you of your divinity inside and wonder how people may begin to worship one another. You will begin to see the progress that goes on these things now are marketed whereby we have labyrinths, yoga and other video games. In the past we had youth used to be warned about the video games of Dungeons and Dragons where the youth of America were being led astray with all types of wickedness. It looks like kindergarten when it comes to modern video games that bring people into the occult. We stand, as Newsweek said, at a page of history where mysticism has hit the United States of America and it's for you to say, where do I stand? Where am I as a Christian in face of all this? Do I know about it? Am I aware? Have I done research? Am I aware of what's happening in my own nation? The emerging church and its leaders are quite evident all around us. Am I aware of these things? I think it is to be conscious and to make study. One of the best introductory books to begin studying this whole phenomenon is The Time for Departing 
by Ray Jungen. We have the book in our ministry. It is the second edition. A third edition is being prepared because so much has happened in the few years, about two years ago, when we got the second edition. There's so much progress has been made in the field of mysticism that the author has to write a third edition. I think it is a real essential to read that book and to begin at least to have your eyes open to what is hitting America. When I was in Eastern Europe, Slovakia, the Czech Republic, Hungary, Romania and other nations, they said to me, we in Europe look to the United States of America. It is the way America goes that we will eventually go. I was amazed at the different people in those nations who go on the internet and read American web pages as English is becoming the language of the world. Work we do in America affects the whole world. What you do as a Christian affects many others worldwide. And I really think that it's time for us to take this threat seriously. The Bible speaks of the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind. This mysticism is fleshly desires of the mind, for it exalts human creatures to the level of God. And we are commanded by the Lord through his word to cast down imaginations and every high thing that exalted itself against the knowledge of God, bringing into captivity every thought in obedience to Christ. That is what is set before us. The Catholic Church is emphatic in its principles and one of its principles is that when one remains silent, the silence means consent. That was one of our principles in Catholicism. Silence means consent. In face of the mystic plague, if we do nothing, it means somehow it will be interpreted by the Pentecostal mystics and these other famous names going into mysticism that we consent to it. We contend for the faith once delivered to the saints. There is one web page in which you will get an immense amount of information, much more than I've given you tonight, and I'd like you to write this down afterwards if you don't have a pencil with you. It is Lighthouse Trails, that's a plural, lighthousetrails.com. Now the webpage itself is good, but go to lighthousetrailsresearch.com. That is the part of the webpage page 
that goes into what Chuck Swindoll is doing, David Jeremiah and other so-called evangelicals. It is the publishing house that Ray Jungen has published his book from and it is doing Trojan work but they need support and we need to have more knowledge and research. I really urge you to do research and to know how to face the blight that is threatening Christianity in America and threatening the youth who are now growing up in America that we would indeed hold captive everything to the truth of Christ and we would again document biblical objective truth that Christ Jesus could be glorified and the gospel message could go forth so that truly souls will be saved in him in his redemption to the glory of the one true God. Amen and Amen. This Reformation audio track is a production of Stillwater's Revival Books. SWRB makes thousands of classic Reformation resources available, free and for sale, in audio, video, and printed formats. Our many free resources, as well as our complete mail-order catalog, containing thousands of classic and contemporary Puritan and Reform books, tapes, and videos at great discounts, is on the web at www.swrb.com. We can also be reached by email at swrb at swrb.com, by phone at 780-450-3730, by fax at 780-468-1096, or by mail at 4710-37A Avenue, Edmonton, that's E-D-M-O-N-T-O-N, Alberta, abbreviated capital A, capital B, Canada, T6L3T5. You may also request a free printed catalog. And remember that John Calvin, in defending the Reformation's regulative principle of worship, or what is sometimes called the scriptural law of worship, commenting on the words of God, which I commanded them not, neither came into my heart, from his commentary on Jeremiah 7.31, writes, God here cuts off from men every occasion for making evasions, since he condemns by this one phrase, I have not commanded them, whatever the Jews devised. There is then no other argument needed to condemn superstitions than that they are not commanded by God. For when men allow themselves to worship God according to their own fancies, and attend not to his commands, they pervert true religion. And if this principle was adopted by the Papists, all those fictitious modes of worship in which they absurdly exercise themselves would fall to the ground. It is indeed a horrible thing for the Papists to seek to discharge their duties towards God by performing their own superstitions. There is an immense number of them, as it is well known, and as it manifestly appears. Were they to admit this principle, that we cannot rightly worship God except by obeying his word, they would be delivered from their deep abyss of error. The prophet's words, then, are very important when he says that God had commanded no such thing and that it never came to his mind, as though he had said that men assume too much wisdom 
when they devise what he never required, nay, what he never knew.